This episode is brought to you by our friends at FB Autosport. There's nothing worse than spending your race weekend under your car missing sessions because you were too swamped to get everything done in time. Whether it's car prep, new car builds, or arrive and drive, FB Autosport has you covered for Time Attack, GLTC, or WRL. They even have cars you can rent now while you put the finishing touches on your latest race car project. Reach out to Rob at FB Autosport now and tell him that Slip Angle sent you to get your project car finished and get back on track. This episode is brought to you by Firelapse and Firelapse.com. Too often, drivers fail to extract the full performance potential out of their vehicle at the track because analyzing motorsports data takes time and can be difficult to understand. Firelapse is a fresh and intuitive tool to simplify motorsports data review to allow you to focus on reducing your personal best lap time. This year, Slip Angle and Firelapse have partnered together to help our audience go faster. Annual subscription signups using promo code SLIPANGLE or SLIPANGEL We'll get 15 months for the price of 12 and a free slip angle or track tune t-shirt. Head over to firelapse.com and start letting your data be your coach. For years, Slip Angle and Apex Pro have worked together to help make drivers faster. The all-new Apex Pro mobile app for iOS and Android is now available on the App Store and Google Play Store. Download the new app for free, create a user account to log as many laps as you'd like using your phone as the GPS source. Apex Pro is the app for timing your laps and logging your data at the track. With video recording and intuitive analysis features, plus the ability to easily share and compare data, Apex Pro is the best way to learn about your driving trackside. Apex Pro includes leaderboards so you can see where you stack up against other users, and Apex Pro lets you see other drivers on track in real time with the Crew View feature. Upload your data easily to Firelapse to compare with drivers using other data devices. Download for iOS and Android today by searching Apex Pro New. Damn it. I lost it? Yeah, I lost it. So um, uh, yeah. for everyone like listening, minutes. we recorded about 10 minutes worth of a show. And uh, the board I use um, is uh, the newer version of the old one. And... Normally, when a channel is on mute, you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, not anymore. If a channel's on mute, I can still hear it. I just mm. can't. It, it wasn't recording it. That's weird. So you'll just have to trust us that we spent a lot of time talking about how cool Laguna was. <laughs> Are you recording again? I'm not recording, yeah. Are you sure? I'm so bummed. <clears throat> That's fine. Um well, I'm camping on top of a mountain uh, down. I'm actually pretty close to you. So. Uh, yeah, you're like, I don't know, a couple hours away. Yeah, hour and a half. Maybe. I'm about an hour south of Indy. So. But you and I have been friends for, what, almost 10 years. And um, the number of times that we have hung out outside of a racetrack um, is, Ten, maybe. if you exclude PRI or SEMA, the number of times we have hung out is got to be less than 10. It's got probably four. Well, actually, <laughs> no. If you if you subtract SEMA and PRI and you subtract Grid Life sponsored events, mm-hmm. the, the number is one. I think I, I don't even know when it was. Uh, well, you, you and I have hung out. We worked on your Evo several times. Yeah, so th- I think that was the time, one or two. Yeah, probably uh, probably four. But yeah, no, we we do shit at racetracks together. Weird. I don't hang out with anyone actually. Like I barely hang out with my wife. But 
hang out with anybody else. It so. the the last like I don't know three months or so have been really challenging, difficult, however you want to say. Um, it people makes, have probably noticed because we've done less shows too. It really makes me admire the fact that you were diligent in recording shows when Emma was three, because I don't have time to do anything. I don't know how we did that. I didn't sleep a whole lot back then. And suddenly I have like in the past probably 12 months, like I made a bigger commitment to like taking care of myself about a year ago. Cause right after PRI, I was like, I think I might be falling apart mentally and physically. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd push really, really, really hard, like way too hard. Um, so I started working out every day, started like paying attention to what I ate a little bit. I'm down, I don't know, probably 20 pounds since then. And probably, I've probably gained 20 pounds of muscle since then. Um, but I also have been making a commitment to like going to bed. Um, like I didn't sleep a whole lot back then. I would sleep like four or five hours and be like, Oh, I'm good. Yeah. You know, like an idiot, like a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, when I mean, we're getting old, man, like. I, uh, I, I was talking to James Houghton the other day. The fact that he wasn't at Laguna made me sad because, um, I, unless presented with a really, really good reason to do otherwise, mm-hmm. um, I'll just go to bed at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. At, at Laguna the first night I hadn't slept a whole lot because of, uh, you know, leaving for the airport at two o'clock or whatever in the morning, which there was like midnight or 11 or whatever time I got up, uh, PM. And so at nine o'clock or something on Thursday night, I had been up for like 22 hours or whatever. And my brain was completely overwhelmed and I was sick of parking cars in the fog and it was pitch black. And I was like, I'm done. I'm going to, I'm going to be in bed at 10 o'clock. Can I Um, just say that you did such a wonderful job parking cars? It was also terrible. Like didn't look good, but man, you could get to false grid real fast. Couldn't (laughs) I suppose. That was the main thing that I wanted to, it was like, I wanted all roads to end at false grid. Largely that worked, but we're going to lay it out nicer with lines next year. I I figured out like a temporary line solution, I think, because all the temporary paints actually aren't that temporary. You should just use the spray chalk. Yes. It's like there's a liquid chalk and there's also like a, uh, like the spray chalk stuff, but there's also like baseball like some baseball diamonds and i think fd uses it where it's like this mixture and you put it down with like a cart that you walk around oh sure um, yeah it's like a lime water calcium mixture i'm not sure but yeah if you, so if you use it to paint lines on a baseball diamond you can probably use it to paint lines for uh you know yeah cars and it might go away in the rain but like once everybody's in one spot it's fine but right right yeah when when i looked at the layout of that place getting back to Laguna stuff because we, we should probably talk about how completely insane drift was at Laguna and stuff. Yeah. I could tell that Um, story again. Yeah. The, when I looked at the layout, I was like, okay, so the entrance to false grids over here and you come off track over here. And when this place is full, none of this works. Like these roads don't work. Like you can't tell where anything is. Um, and I need people to be able to get the, cause it, my, my big panic if we're talking for a month and a half before the event was that we were going to get fogged out and lose two, three hours in the morning. And we did that on Friday morning. We lost three hours. So I, I want to uh, say that Thursday morning at the track. So, uh, both Renee and I got there on Wednesday so that we could work a full day remotely from Thursday. Yeah. And on Thursday, when the sun came up, the weather was extraordinary. It was yeah. 
super clear. It was warm. The humidity felt low. Everything about the day was so perfect that I looked at you and I was like, there's no way that it'll be foggy tomorrow. It's too nice. If it was anything like this today, it would be impossible to have fog. Yeah, what happened on Friday morning? It was foggy as fuck. <laughs> Three hours. <laughs> we didn't start the track until freaking 1040, and it was still probably borderline sketchy. Yeah. But yeah, we were supposed to start at 8 a.m. We, we had a full 8 to 6 schedule with a half-hour lunch break that could be squeezed to 20 minutes. Was that the busiest... Uh, it was the busiest or, or day most, we've ever most had. Most densely packed track day that we've ever had. Yeah, it was the it was the busiest day we've ever had planned, like in the entirety of the company, and we didn't get to start it for two hours and forty minutes until like post when we were supposed to start it. <laughs> um, but I mean, I had about an hour and twenty of like I can squeeze this and it's okay. Like in the day, I had an hour and twenty. And John and I had gone over all the contingencies, like, okay, well, as long as we get semi-close, you know, we've got an hour and 20 here. And then we started two hours and 40 back, so we doubled that. So, like, everything just got chopping blocked uh, time-wise. Everybody got their sessions in. I think we, like, killed one drift session, and uh, Model 3 Challenge practice got killed. They just rolled into time attack upon, you know, their suggestion, which was great, their practice. Uh, that saved 20 minutes and 20 minutes. They're like, so we're two hours back. Right. Um, and it was just, it just took forever. We were never perfect because we kept like, you know, people go off. You have to get towed. The tow team was great. Actually, they're pretty quick. Uh, did a great job. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just like an impossible task to end it because it's a hard stop at six for sound. Um, but so my big fear for like literally a month was like the Marine layer fog. Because everybody's like, oh, if it comes, you're fucked. Like, sometimes you don't get to start till noon, right? We're heading that way. But next year, my plan is to publish a, um, a main schedule. And because we did just, we just locked a date there. I'm not going to say what it is, but we just locked it. Hooray. Uh, but so, because we had so much fun doing it, and we thought maybe it's the perfect venue. It's too expensive, but it's the perfect venue for a festival. So, um, but we did. We did lock that. We just locked the new Mid Ohio date, um, but I think so next wait, year we publish can, a perfect. Maybe we that? can't uh, say the dates, but can we? Can we say the places that were confirmed? Well, everything's. I think everything's confirmed now. So. Okay. Well, what are the places? Um, well, all the all the places. I'm not going to talk about all of them yet. We're going to save some for announcement. So oh. all these people listening go to our events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're saying if, if we tell them about it now, they won't go? No, I mean, like, we don't have contracts on any of them either. Oh, well, <laughs> we have I've, handshakes. I've, well, then that doesn't, that's not locked. No, locked is contracts. Handshakes, is, uh, uh, handshakes are like locked, but I mean, contracts are like, that's when we, talk, that's when we start talking about it. We've actually, we've announced without contracts before we tried to. Hmm. Because like, you don't want to look like you don't get egg in your face saying that you're going to go to freaking racetrack du jour, like the fanciest racetrack in the world, and then they change it on you in the last minute. You want to have a contract, so yeah. Anyway, so, but so, the handshake is the is the hardest. So piece can we can we talk on. about? Um, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about what makes hosting a racetrack event on the West Coast at a place run by the 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 local government. Oh my gosh, complicated. 
Like well, to, what, what were some of the challenges that you had in the last six weeks of the event? Well, to, to, to finish my one thought before I, I want to, I want to put it in your head so that you don't let me forget, but the fog thing is a thing. Like it's a maybe thing all the time. So I want to have a published schedule and then I want to have um, a one hour fog, two hour fog and three hour fog schedule to where people know what will happen. And we'll publish all of those. That makes sense. Um, so don't let me forget to do that next year. Um, <clears throat> it's on my notes to like think about it in July of next year of my calendar. But um, so when you're hosting a festival event, like when we do a Grid Life Midwest festival or whatever, we usually try to book the talent. Speaking of talent, call like calling that the music, music and all that stuff. Try to book that stuff a long way out, right? Um, six months, four months, whatever. But the more runway you gave yourself as far as announcement and all that thing, like that's the more tickets you're going to sell. You're going to be able to reach more people. People will talk about it to their friends, all the things that you'd expect. Um, we had a handshake agreement with the track. We didn't have a countersigned contract with the county for the spectator portion of the event until I think it was five weeks, six weeks before the event. Um, and I don't want to like, we're talking with a little bit of speculation here. I don't want to like say for certain there's a lot of new people at the racetrack and I'm not like going to throw any of them under the bus. They all at like during the event, they were all amazing for us. They actually did great. They're great to work with, um, et cetera. But they had Porsche Ren Sport this year, which is, which was the biggest event that's ever happened at that racetrack, like ever in the entirety of that racetrack's history. Uh, yeah, it was really big. And it happens, like, I think it's once every three years or four years. I forget, but um, huge event. We're talking 50,000 people on site or whatever. <clears throat> I had that this year with a semi-new staff. A lot of the people had been there for less than 10 weeks. They didn't, you know, they weren't. And they also had IndyCar right around that. I forget when, but um, they, they had a lot on their plate. And they they are playing a lot of political games to make these big events happen. The racetrack, like, staff is. So the racetrack's owned by the county, and the county doesn't really like the racetrack, even though the, it, like, does bring a ton of people in. It books a ton of hotel rooms. It buys a ton of food at Walmart. It buys a ton of food at the restaurants. Um, it is, like, the only real, besides the beach, it's the tourist trap there. It's the only thing, really. But there's also like billionaires on the hillsides around this place. It's amazing, gorgeous. Yeah, it was and it was really pretty. That's maybe the prettiest campsite I've ever seen. Like, at least when I saw it when it wasn't foggy. But so they're playing. They're they're like jumping through a lot of political hoops, and like seven or eight weeks before the event, the track was like. So the county doesn't really want another spectator event, and so we got we got. We got the vibe that they hadn't told them that we were coming. Like that, they, that it was going to be a spectator event. Like there would be more than, you know, 10 cars showing up that weren't drivers. Um, so, and we're, and the size of our event was like right on the cusp of like, it's a spectator event. It's like not the biggest spectator event yet. You know, we're hoping to make it huge. It was a pretty big event though. It kind of felt like, it felt like a real life festival in the paddock. It was pretty full. A lot of people there. And, they didn't counter the county didn't countersign our agreement, so we didn't book talent until, and we had some contingencies happening. But we were like, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. We didn't book a stage, we didn't book talent because all that stuff represents like hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
So if you're not going to bring spectators, you're not going to bring music. Um, and so we just had such a limited runway and that like, people are asking me like, how come you guys aren't talking about this? I'm like, well, there's some things happening. Eh, don't, don't worry about it. They've, the track event's going to happen. You know, we're going to race Laguna. Like it was the last five weeks of that planning was like actually probably almost broke the team mentally, um, stress wise and planning wise. And, there's just so much stuff to cram into it because we couldn't put dollars into it until we know, you know, that we can start talking about it. Like, yeah, you can come watch us and hang out at Laguna and who's going to, here's who's going to be there and blah, blah, blah. So T-Pain kind of saved our ass too, being the headliner because he thinks Good Life is rad, which is super cool. But uh, it was not fun. It was not a good, not a good time at all. So, don't want to do that again. <laughs> I, I heard, and maybe you can talk more about it. I heard that every canopy tent that had a vendor in it had to have its own like weather oh, yeah. permit or something. We'll talk about uh, that. So every vendor spot had to be fully approved building permits for the structures and tents. Like we're talking like pictures of the proposed tie down and weight methods. Um, the, the there was had to be a wind rating uh, assignment for like you know here's what happens in x y and z winds charlie literally learned how to like do that um <clears throat> he probably had 100 hours in building permits and they were all for tents so that was a thing every tent uh vendor tent had to have a fire extinguisher and a smoke detector what so that was yeah every single one of them had a fire it's extinguisher an open and smoke air detector. thing Every single one of them had a fire extinguisher and a smoke detector. You might have noticed that some of our campers were lacking smoke or fire extinguisher. Uh, mm. <laughs> now, if hold on, if there was a structure, we own a lot of fire extinguishers. If there was a structure that I had to predict, will this start fire? Um, an open air canopy RV. with no fuel or ignition sources, pretty yeah. low. Uh, an RV with electric and gas and bad construction, I, I take it pretty back. high. I take it back. All the RVs had their fire extinguisher. <laughs> but we definitely bought a lot of fire extinguishers. We might not have bought enough. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I think it was our, it, the story I heard about our, so inspector came out to inspect all these things too, right? Um, I think Thursday and Friday, inspector came out. And the building permits were very expensive, like a nice set of wheels, expensive. Per uh, vendor? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the, the track itself was probably three times more expensive than any place we've ever hosted. Really? Um, oh, it was not free at all. That was why it was the most expensive ticket we've ever had, obviously. But yeah, very, 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 very expensive. But it was also a sound-free weekend at Laguna, which is like a one of, I forget how many, but it's like a one of six or one of ten or something. There's not many. And they all go to Pro Series. This is the first time, like, why did you think there was, like, LMP3 cars privately owned there? Because it's the first time they ever could go there. Like, they just, it's never happened. It's pretty sick. It was sick. It was so cool. So, um, I... But, yeah, that doesn't happen. It never has, and it you know, it, it's going to again, but it never has in the past. So, so uh, in the part of the show that or we Super lost War. because I fail at recording, um, we talked a little bit about Drift, the show that we recorded while we were there. We think we recorded on Friday night. I know so we did. We recorded on Friday night. On Saturday, I rode with 
Pete Collins in mm -hmm. MS7. And a lot of people were enthusiastic, super stoked to drift the corkscrew because, yeah. you know, it's an iconic corner and it was going to be such a unique thing. Yeah. Um, MS7 is a E46 X time attack car with a LS7 nitrous and a sequential. It's a sick drift car. Pete's pretty good too. It's so. yeah. He's, he's really good. Um, full ASM build cage, everything. Air jacks, all the cool shit. Oh, I forgot. It's got air jacks. That's right. <laughs> but my experience on the corkscrew is you initiate before you enter the corkscrew, basically like as you crest the hill, like on mm -hmm. your way into the corkscrew and you don't get grip back or you, you don't bring the car back until after turn nine, which is probably like a half mile away. It's a long way. And yeah. the, the corkscrew itself is actually really low speed. It was not that cool. Uh, in my opinion, what mm -hmm. was really cool is having the car, uh, the rear of the car be track left toward the driver um, as you make your way through that right hander in the corkscrew and then transitioning the opposite direction and pitching it into nine where the nose of the car is pointed at the concrete. The car is going downhill at 100 miles an hour and the passenger is essentially the leading edge of the vehicle. Like the, the acceleration going on that hill, like in anything, even the pickup truck that I did a freaking hundred laps picking bumpers and stuff up in, the acceleration going on the hill is terrifyingly good. Like it's, just, it's so downhill, it's wild. So I got <laughs> out of the car. car. I got out of the car knowing that that was the most like extreme, crazy, fun thing that I had done all year. The, it has to be one of the. Like there's, I didn't think it would be that good of a drift track, but it's got to be one of the that section especially. It's got to be one of the coolest places to drift a car on the planet. It's got to be one of the well, coolest. Well, uh, I actually, I mean, I think we're we're kind of uh, queuing up multiple places where it's especially cool. I think that turns one, two, and three at Lime Rock are amazing. Oh, for sure. Because for sure. like it's all connected, and you can see it all as a spectator. There is a chance that uh, that won't happen. No, that we're gonna have to fight for that. So, there's a lot of people around Lime Rock that don't like smoke. They don't like noise. So, yeah. fighting for that. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Might have to be a little bit more curated in the power level of invited drifters in the future. Otherwise, I don't really know. Like, is is it just because the cars had too much power that they made too much smoke? There was also a lot of them, and they had real long sessions. There was a lot of smoke. It was it was really a lot. Made for um, really cool drone photos, though. Yeah, it did. Mid-Ohio drifting was pretty freaking cool, too. Agreed. Like, Mid-Ohio, uh, who cares about turn one that? But it was cool to see, like, you know, some of the pro dudes drifting turn one. Keyhole, I never saw. I didn't get up there. But um, watching the footage of, like, China Beach all the way down into Thunder Valley. Like, you can link, basically, you can link China Beach all the way through the carousel uh and then you get a cool down of the front straight you you drift turn one you get a cool down of like the turn one to turn two and then you get a cool down of like the back straight uh with the kink in it where you start finish um but like that whole midsection there of mid ohio was rad so i didn't think i would ever be as much of a drift fan i i would say so. that being in them is an experience that'll change your perspective 
That's freaking special, dude. Yeah. Especially being a, being with somebody who's like pretty damn good is at pro level, especially is just nuts. It's nuts. Um, I, I, track... I can't believe we pulled that one off. I, I got a story about that too. Well, tell me. So we had the approval to drift Laguna Seca, right? Um, until Thursday afternoon, the approval, if I recall, was turn three, four, five, uh, turn six, maybe, and turn nine. And that was it. I heard that it was temperature dependent. It was also temperature dependent. If it's too hot, they don't, they didn't want it to happen because they have a brand new, like $20 million repave that they paid way too much for. That's coming apart within the first few weekends. So they got these sealer areas, like hold, and like they they resealed a bunch of spots to like make sure that it's holding together while the asphalt cures, blah blah blah. So the president, the facility manager, and the two operations guys, and Chris and I did literally a track walk. We didn't walk the whole thing, but we would like get out on every corner. We took a couple of trucks, get out in every corner. I took video and photos of every corner, like asphalt wise, um, like to document pre. And then I, I went around afterwards on Sunday night and I documented post and nothing had changed. It was fine. Drift cars ride on, they they literally ride on like melted, like fluid. It doesn't hurt anything. Right. Um, the melted tire. But we did a, we did like a whole talk through because they were worried about certain areas. Turn two inside on the hotline, turn 11 inside, hotline, outside tire. You know, these areas are like, like, we can't have cars drifting here. It's going to, we're going to dig down into the rocks. Like, they don't know anything. And these people are just terrified of their expensive racetrack. Sure. Like, oh, well, here's what we're going to tell the drivers. And here's what they would be doing, even if we didn't tell them what to do. Like, we were telling them, in, in turn 11 and turn two, those are the primary concerns. Um, that's the first and last turn, effectively. Um, we're like, no, they, we're going to tell them to get out in the green, like the over, like the off track, like in that's old pavement. It's a, there's like a green box painted all the way around the outside of each of those turns. Um, and so we told the drifters, like, okay, here's what their big concern, is. like Swan and I and Cohen told the drifters, like, here's what the concerns of the racetrack are, and here's what I want you to do. Um, and so we talked about each and every turn to the drifters. Uh, like, don't be on the inside of turn 11, turn two, the inside of turn six. Uh, you know, these these high G-load areas where the track is, it was having some graining problems, but it wasn't like delaminating. It wasn't stupid. You know, they're losing some asphalt, but like, it's the top layer asphalt. It's like, they had a high aggregate area too. Like, the aggregate had kind of melted up. Um, so they had like big rocky graining areas and the rocks were kind of moving away, but it's not like the asphalt's coming up in chunks or anything. So, sure. But, um, so we talked about each individual turn with the racetrack personnel. Um, we didn't have approval to drift the entire track. And, but we talked about in the corkscrew, the corkscrew was specifically off limits, um, until Thursday at noon where we were talking with John, the president and his team. Um, and he was like, that was the one we were a bit concerned about. It was like, if we, if we don't drift the corkscrew, this is nerdy. Like, this is dumb, right? Even though the corkscrew, like you said, is a non-event. Um, we're standing at the top of it, and John's like, well, they shouldn't drift here. And I was like, I don't see a problem. They're going to go 25 miles an hour. And he was like, you know, they're going to get stuck in the in, in and ruin everything. We're going to tell everybody off. And I said, I don't think anybody's going to get stuck out here. It's going to be fine. And he's like, all right. 
just shrugged his shoulders, and then we never talked about it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we never got approval. He just did but it. In the, in the drift meeting, we were like, so we don't technically have approval to drift the corkscrew, but I'm not going to tell you to not drift the corkscrew. I'm going to tell you to not drift it the first lap. I want you to see it. And then I'm going to tell you, you can't get stuck in the inside or outside of the corkscrew at all. I want no problems in the corkscrew. And then it was such a non event. Yeah. But there was no problems with corkscrews. It was like parking lot speed. It was like literally they go faster in the burnout box in FD to warm up their front tires. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but you have to drift the corkscrew if you have Laguna Seca because like that's what you think of when you talk about Laguna Seca, but th- these were like these kind of like hurdles and these growing pains. I, this year, especially I've talked about, cause we've gone, we went to a lot of new tracks this year and a lot um, of pro tracks, right? Big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he started with like CMP, which is like pretty nice club track. And it was a big freaking event, but we'd never been there. And, uh, and then Watkins Glen and Laguna and, doing you know a pro weekend with nascar and porsche cup at, at road america and like there's there was some new stuff um but like going to a new track the first time it always feels to me like moving in with a roommate for the first time and you spend like the first week like get annoyed with them like wondering why like why they shave their face and leave all the hairs in the toilet and you know why do you brush your teeth that way? And how come you don't take the garbage out? And like you try to be the nicest roommate, especially at these pro tracks, because they're so set in their ways because they're like a pro track, you know, they got their chest out and all that stuff. Um, just, you know, walking around like a tough guy. But I feel like we've really learned how to blend and meld uh, into that. But also we are coming in with, coming in with 10 years of like, we got a really good track record, so. Yeah, for uh, sure. And half the time they've sought us out uh, and they've heard about us and whatever. So um, it's getting easier, but like it stresses me out to no end, especially with these little scenarios like full course drift at Laguna. Like, you can't not do it. You you basically have to. If yeah, you, you can't not do it. If you don't do it, there's no point to even be there. And you, you, you want to know what else is in the, in the, in the contract? There's a reason on the schedule the drift sessions were called drift lap. What does that mean? Did you notice that it was on the schedule as a drift lap? No, I didn't. Well, if you look back in the schedule, it says drift lap. Um, and there's a 15-minute allotment instead of like a 25-minute allotment. Um, but that was the only way we could get them to agree on it because they wanted everybody to be able to do one lap only. It didn't make any sense. They're like... They're coming up with these things as we're moving through the conversations of the of like the contract, but like <laughs> that that doesn't even work. You know, you're not going to send everybody out for one lap and expect quality driving out of these guys, right? Uh, but 15 minutes actually, 15 minutes with a super curated like all pro crowd, which is basically what this was. Um, it was like there was like three non pros, and they were like they were as pro as the non pros can get. It was like Pete and some animal style guys, you know. Um, and those dudes are they're they're reliable, they're solid, they're pros. Uh they've driven with us and whatever. But um yeah, it would, like you can't just send them out for one lap because they're gonna then they're gonna go too hard. It doesn't you gotta sense. let them do you gotta do let them do a couple laps. You know, you don't go out and do qualifying and you know, straight from the start finish line. 
Um, so we, we talked with the track about like the, here's how we're going to get the best driving out of these guys. We don't want to tow anybody in drift. We don't want to do any hot toes. We don't, I want them to all pull into their own power. I want them to use one set of tires each time, maybe two. Um, so we're doing 15 minutes and it's going to be managed from the top of grid. You know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like it was such a process, dude. I'm so glad I never had to do that process again. Cause that was like one of the other most stress that, but that in the Marine layer fog was one of the most stressful things that I had to think about is like, how do we put on a show with the inability to put on a show? And I can't, I also can't like tell everybody about this. Like I haven't told you about it. I didn't talk to anybody else. I didn't tell Swan our drift lead. I didn't tell him until Friday morning what was happening because I knew he would throw a fucking fit. <laughs> There's, there have been so many of those crazy stories though. I mean, yeah. I'll never forget our first year at road America that we brought GLTC yeah. and yeah. race control was Ugh. like, no, you're not wheel to wheel racing. It's point by only you're not doing the kink. There's not a race. And this yeah. was like, I don't know. 10 minutes before the driver's meeting? Maybe seven. It was sub 10 minutes before. He had came up there to do the driver's meeting for me. And I was like, bitch, I do one of the best driver's meetings in the industry. I'm doing the fucking driver's meeting. <laughs> and I didn't know him. I didn't know Krabby Mike. Now I know Krabby Mike quite well. And I would just tell him to shut up, you know. <laughs> but... That was that was pure stress. I had to call the vice president who had negotiated our contract. I was like, "Your guy here is, your guy here is saying that we're not, we're, <laughs> we can't run the kink. We've been advertising this for months. We can't run wheel to wheel. We have a field of forty five cars. Uh, we can't do open passing and time attack. We have ninety two cars here for the championship weekend, uh, and time attack is open passing has been for seven years in grid life." Yeah, this is like 2019 or whatever. Do you remember but, how many black flags we got that first session? Because that people... first day he punished us the entire time because, because the president overruled them. We got to run the kink. We were going to do wheel to wheel. Um, and Gary wasn't there. Gary, Gary, our, our man in the tower. Sometimes when John's not around, this is before I had John too. Gary like came in to like sl basically to make sure we got what we needed, but he couldn't get there till Saturday. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Gary shows up on Saturday morning and he fixed all the problems, but all day Friday, everybody came into black flag station. Like, what did I get black flag for? And we're like, I don't know. Did, did you go far off? But we couldn't tell everybody that they were getting black flag for passing because Krabby Mike hated grid life. It's that was crazy. what they were getting black. That was what they're getting black flag for. Like that was my, it was like, that was one of the only days we were about an hour from the end of the day. Um, we were an hour from the end of the day. My bus is pretty close to false grid. It was like a 500 foot walk or whatever. Um, and there wasn't like, we were behind. Uh, I had a pretty good staff up there. Like you're up there, you know, I think Carson was working with us at the time. Cone, all like false grid is, is fine. Um, there was nothing I could do to make anything happen better in the tower. Um, so I left. I just went into my RV and I and I started drinking because <laughs> I was so stressed and I didn't come back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I just listened to it on the radio and I was like, fuck all of this. <laughs> I had like two whiskeys and just calmed down. I was the maddest I had ever been. It was so bad. 
And then Saturday was great. Sunday was fine. I'm like the maddest uh, you'd ever been so far. Well, it probably wasn't the maddest I'd ever been. I was just like I, I felt so like hamstrung. I felt like somebody had like slit my let slit the back of my my ankles. You know what I mean? Like I felt like there was nothing I could do. I couldn't walk. Classic pet cemetery. Yeah, freaking. It was terrible. Like that dude, and I will I will forever despise that guy. And then by the end of the weekend, like he was very complimentary because Gary whipped him into shape. Um, Gary is like his age, has seen more things and told him to stop it. Uh, and he's looking at me like I'm some 25 year old idiot, even though I was like 37 at the time. Right. Uh, and I had been renting racetracks for like 18 years or 17 years. But he's looking at me like, I don't know anything. Uh, you're going to get a bunch of people killed in the kink. So he's doing his job getting people not killed. Right. But I'm here like trying to run an event with a very vetted driver field that isn't going to get themselves killed anyway. Yeah. I forgot that that was like our championship weekend for time attack. Yeah. It was literally championship weekend. So I think Ferris got black flag and Swenson got black flag. Like everybody got black flag for passing. So we encouraged in the time attack meeting, we're like, you guys need to, Still point by passing so we can earn the trust of the track. And like nobody did it because it was fucking time attack, you know? Straight up bullshit. It was terrible, dude. It was terrible. So, uh, T Pain came to Laguna and I heard that after the show, he just hung out with his people and played Mario Kart, which makes me laugh. Yeah. T Pain rules, dude. He's such a good dude. Like he's actually. Like if you if if you like moved into moved into a neighborhood and T Pain was your neighbor and he just like worked on Mustangs and RX sevens in the garage, you'd be like, dude, this guy's awesome. But he's also like a Grammy, multiple Grammy winning, like internationally known recording artist for the past twenty years. Uh who's like been the DJ on every hit song of like the early early to mid two thousands. Like it's I know, I know He's that just it's a not like <laughs> his song, but I would have given absolutely anything to hear I'm on a boat at Laguna. Dude, 25 people told me that. I'm like, how come we didn't play I'm on a boat? I'm like, that's an SNL standard. <laughs> it, no, but it's a full-length song. I know, I know. It's actually, I listened to it the other day, and I was like, it actually kind of sucks. I can see why T-Paint, because uh, all T-Paint does is go, I'm on a boat like in auto tune and he's like, he can't perform that live. <laughs> I I bet he could. I mean, he could, he'd have to have somebody do the rest of the song. But, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a, that's a freaking, who's the dude from Brooklyn nine, nine or whatever. Andy Samberg. And it's an Andy, it's an Andy Samberg. So. <laughs> it's a lonely Island sketch. Yeah. 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 It, uh, he, his show was great though. I, I had a good time. It looked great. Yeah, and uh, is he, like, uh, he came to Lime Rock to drive, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Is he, like, driving a lot or? Yeah, a lot. And Swan was like, dude, T-Pain's real. He's legit. And I was like, is he really? Is he actually good enough to, because Lime Rock is, a, is, is like, invite only, drift-wise. Um, and I watched a video and I was like, damn, hurt or like hurt and T Pain, that's that's a solid combo. That's actually legit. T Pain T Pain shreds, dude. That's funny. <laughs> he doesn't he didn't suck at all. It was rad. So and and like what a what a solid vibe from him too. 
just a great dude. I saw, um, this is not a dig. I saw him hanging out at the track. I don't know, maybe like three o'clock or so on Saturday. And yep. like people recognized him and he's got, he wanted like, he's got his crew with him. And there's just yep. like a guy whose job it is to like tell fans to just be cool. And like, no, he, he doesn't want to like, when he wants to mingle, maybe he wants to mingle, but he doesn't want just like rabid people running up to him trying to. Yeah, you can totally. I'm sure you can get overwhelmed as somebody like that. A place well, like that, especially if you're just trying to be a dude. Yeah, if you just want to go look at the cars, you got to have a guy like keeping 25 people from just saying hello to you. You know, right? So, like, he he's actually stoked to be at the event because of the cars, not because he's there to play the music. So. Right. Which is that that's never happened before. We haven't had that before. So we haven't had that person. We haven't had a you know, our headliner has never been more into cars than he was into being the headliner. Now, uh so. when Big Boy showed up, I was hella into his bus. Dopest Prevost, dude. Um I I have never seen a forty five foot Prevost park where it parked at Gingerman and execute a like 100 point turn and drive away except for that moment. Yeah, that's a pro driver right there. Yeah, Big Boy's bus was dope. <laughs> and then like Cascade a couple of years ago, he like showed up in a minivan just like hanging out. He's from Oakbrook. Wait, is is Cascade the the guy that you're into or is it is that yeah, the one Cascade's that you like hung out with TV. after the show? Uh, he's, uh, we talked for quite a while. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's a huge DJ, like him and dead boss have some of the biggest songs of the last 10 years in that genre. Um, the, the dude from England that Chris and I hung out with for quite a while. Who's that? Kavitsky? No, we, we talked with him for a while too. Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. He was red. We talked about remodeling houses. Yeah. For like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, he headlined Friday night before the day before Cascade was on Saturday. I think this was 2022. Nah. I don't, I don't where can we even find that stuff? Uh, I mean, you go back, you go back through the events on Facebook or something. It's by there. Yeah, he was, he was right. That dude, uh, he's from England. He, I think he now lives in California. Joyride. I think it was Joyride. Uh, big DJ, like, pretty big act um i want to say it was joy right but uh he he almost didn't make it like he was on like the third flight that wasn't his flight to try and get there like it was canceled bumped and moved and um his manager rented a fast car thankfully and they like did 120 miles an hour down 94 to get there in time and like literally he got out of the car and walked right on stage and was like perfectly on time it was rad sick so, yeah but yeah uh, it was uh, and he was having a great night afterwards yeah. that's always nice yeah and just hung out like he was just walking around hanging out that was the 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 first i think it was 2022 it had to be last year uh that was the first night that the unit got activated and we had uh we had Ben Lynn from Gears and Gasoline, and everyone was calling him Rob Dom. It's <laughs> so silly. Yeah. You know, um, I, don't know. I would say that festival. We, we Mid- broke into a Escort or Focus or something because Midwest the dude festival had locked his keys in. 2023, I felt was 
like the the paddock was more subdued than in years past because we're getting old and like if there's ever an event that people need to just like bring their energy up it's got to be midwest festival i thought i thought it was perfect this year uh last year was still pretty rowdy (laughs) um last year i don't think i've ever seen more boobs in the paddock and like in the middle of the night, jumping into hot tubs. And I was like, I need to leave. I have a daughter. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed. There's too much debauchery here. Well, that girl, I, did, that girl's I think probably 19. We probably talked a little bit about uh, Midwest this year. Um, there were women wearing clothes that you're like, no, that's, that's not, that's not like outerwear. That's, that's an undergarment. And th- there was, there was a <laughs> yeah. woman wearing a thong and a ski mask. And I was like, uh-huh. What the, what is going on? Yeah, it was, there was definitely a scene. They were very nice people, though. Like, the the crowd that came, who was the headliner? I don't even remember this year. Dude, I, I don't know. I don't remember. But the crowd that came to, for the headliner and for the overall vibe, um, they were super nice, but they didn't wear any clothes. Like, they're wearing literally bikinis and pasties and stuff like that and then they're like oh man look at this cool car shit all day and they just stood along the racetrack and walked around the paddock and they're like man what a great event they were all so nice (laughs) i i thought this year was pretty cool this this year was great this year was great the last few years i've really enjoyed having the staff campground like full fenced off and we just like it does like it's it's almost like peaceful back there. And then you wander, you like walk through one fence and it's just like pandemonium. Uh, or you walk through another fence and it's like backstage. And like it's, it's like all within 30 feet of my RV, which is a, it's a weird place to be. So. What, what I think is weird about the campground area of Gingerman relative to the stage is like you could, you're probably only what a hundred feet, maybe 150 feet from the stage. You could go back easily and go to sleep in your RV. It's not hard. Oh Um, yeah. The music, the sound wouldn't keep you away. No, that's it. The the sound projects nicely and drops before the woods. And like the, the overall layout has worked pretty well. Charlie really wants to put it out, put the stage out on spectator Hill by turn, turn three, four, five. That would be uh, pretty cool, I would say. It might that might actually work pretty well, but we might need to talk to a few of the homeowners out near there, like the homeowners out on the outside of seven. There are some like private landowners like right next to that hill there. So hmm. that would be a but, really really cool place to host because that, it, like, it, that it area would, is like kind of unused. Right, it's it's never filled up because you can't really drive it. You can drive a car there, but like nobody does. Uh, and you could probably put a couple hundred cars out there, but you could also put a stage in the full festival grounds out there. And then if you, so. yeah, you could put all of the festival out there and then if you needed to, you could park more like mm-hmm. GA stuff where festival grounds currently is. Yeah. Or paddock even, you know? Yeah. Um, but you also, you have a nice point of, you know, a nice security checkpoint to make sure nobody's in the festival grounds, like with things they shouldn't, because that's a it's, big concern. It's one way in and out, right? Yeah, it's basically like a two-lane road. You can probably put two cars next to each other in there, and that's it. And they would, like, rub mirrors. It's maybe 15 feet wide. Yeah, yeah it could be a really good spot to put it. Just would look great at night. Like, it could look 
so cool. Kind of like this. I I am in full support of Charlie's idea. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, we're we're running the entire thing off of Jenny's anyway. Well, I uh, the other thing that you and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks, and I know it it'll never really be like a festival. I want Autobahn to be a big event next year. I want it so bad. Do you want it to be in the full heat? Uh, I don't care. Okay, I mean. It, it notoriously Autobahn's been the hottest event of the year, right? Yeah, for sure. Um what if it what if it wasn't? That would be cool. Yeah, what if I moved that would be it cooler. To, a time, to a time that's not hot. Well, that that would be pretty special. Because I did. <laughs> so. Um that event with a big drift field, which we have done before. Uh combined... Vegas it's only been like fifteen cars, but we can definitely do better. Um, and a full GLTC field and, uh, also a car show, which we have done before that event pops off. Yeah, it could be, uh, it could definitely be the biggest of our club rounds for sure. Like it's not going to be called a festival round because it's not going to be an overnight festival camping experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we've done that event big in the past. I think at one time that event had 4,500 spectators. 3,800 spectators. I forget. It was a big event that one year, like 20, I want to say 2018. Yeah, it was big. Um, uh, I remember and... us like basically racing into the dusk. Was that a year that we did uh, all three tracks? I don't know. I want to say the year before it was the biggest year was the year that we did. 2018 we was the year we had all the unlimited cars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then it must have been. It was like start out on North Course, then do full course, and then all day Saturday was only South Course. Yep. So it's like we ran until almost pitch black on on uh, for, on Saturday night. So cool. All day Sunday was full course. So uh, I'm thinking about making it a three day event, but I'm not sure. So that would be sick. It always brings big competitor fields. So. Well, it's it's like a track that is, it races really well. It is a known Great time, time attack, attack quantity. Um, and it's it, close to our field, to our, to our core audience. Yeah, and it's, I don't like know. The it, closest. It's, I think it's great. I think if we move it away from the hottest event of the year and get it away from summer vacation season, I think it could be great. So so that's what I did. I'm really stoked about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really it's, stoked on that. Audubon would have been six weeks ago. If we had it at the time that I want to have it next year, uh, this year. So. Interesting. Yep. It's going to be, going to be solid. There's um, a hint. I told you you were ready. For this. I, uh, what I want to do for next year, and I know that I am not an authority and you don't care what I think, but I'm going to tell I you anyway, um, I want to do more of the events that we want to do and less of the events that we don't want to do. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're trying real hard. What's an event you don't want to do? Um, hmm. Cause I can, I got an answer for you. I don't want to do Coda. No, well, you don't have to do Coda. We I, probably have to do Coda. I don't. Well, then. the only, like the main reason I want to do Coda free live stream. It's a pretty solid live stream. Um, we don't ever make any money at Coda. We've only ever lost some money at Coda, but, the having circuit of the Americas on the partner pitch deck brings in partners. It's true. 
but you go everywhere like that's one of the places that like jimmy with the checkbook at company like x he's heard of circuit of the americas he's racing interested oh this must be a series yeah no i i get that my my concern with the event is it's at the beginning of the year yeah and i i know all the concerns it's beginning of the year you're taking potentially taking budget time and money away from our drivers to do events of ours that actually you know we want them at but yeah yeah we're also building it, it it now bridges the gap like until last week i was like i don't want to do code again like it's it's i just don't want to do it right um we've done enough of it maybe we move on but it also kind of bridges the gap between california and the midwest uh and we just had 15 california drivers uh do or 18 california drivers or whatever do dltc and that could be if we do a few a few DLTC rounds out there, that could be their third or fourth round. That's you know? true. Um, so we've had several California drivers come down to that event because it's like it's only a what fifteen hour tow or whatever, right? Um, I mean, like Jeremy Swenson does that to just go to any event. Yeah, well, he lives in Mary's Hat, Florida. So um, no, I, I I get that. Uh, there's a lot to not love, but there's also just enough to maybe keep doing it. Well, like, but when I think about the Texas market in particular, um, I know that we don't do the time attack there, but if, if you were trying to establish a Texas market, that's like the only track that you would go to, right? Like I know that the MSR has a couple of tracks, but yeah, the MSR tracks are pretty solid, but they're like still club level tracks. Um, are There's they, not a ton though. Are they big enough to do an event that we would like? Yeah, you could do a, you could they, do 150, 200 car event. Okay, okay. Yeah, but um, and then there's also like the semi close things like you get Hallett and stuff like that, things within ten hours. But um, Texas is like it's it's like its own. California's its own bar- market. Texas is its own market because they're just so far away from other things too. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but. Um, We've done that event long enough that, like, yeah, we'll probably just do it again and try to negotiate a better contract with JD. And I don't know. Um, I, th- I think it's a, that event is it's became such a solid event, like as the the totality of the event. Like, there's big spectator counts there now, uh, and I think GLTC has been a big part of that. The car show, the GLTC, you know, the Time Attack cars are pretty wild. Like, it's turned into like a pretty solid event. Um, my, my, uh, not advice, my encouragement to grid life and Charlie maybe in particular is, uh, they got some cars transported out to Laguna. I don't know how many cars did, but if you got an announcement out soon, um, if we were going back to Coda that we would mm -hmm. do another transport offering, um, you'd probably probably get more cars than you would get if you don't. That's probably a good idea. Um, we had a truck that wasn't just our truck coming from the East Coast. It was, you know, a truck with a bunch of drivers on it. A truck come from, to, where did they go from? I want to say like the Ohio area. And the main one that we were doing came out of Gingerman. Um, but, man, I can't believe how many drivers like towed out to Laguna. 
So many drivers did. It seemed like a few people stayed a little bit longer and like enjoyed yeah. California a little bit. Yeah, which is right. I imagine a lot of those people won't come next year because um, they did it, you know? Right. But uh, I think there might be en- enough fear missing out that like some of the others will. But also like I'm not worried about that event not selling out because that's how good it was this year. Yeah. There were... Uh, no, I'm not worried. There, there were, were some rad Time Attack cars. Oh, man. Um, the coolest Time Attack field we've ever had. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really I, liked that KTM thing. It wasn't the fastest, but I really liked it. He was he was always in Group A. Um, what do those have? They have five-cylinder Audi RS3 motors or whatever? Correct. Super cool. Sounded great, too. I heard that car was completely apart the Thursday before the event or the Saturday before the event. Really? Like engine out hadn't been used in a year. Weird. So yeah, cool car. Um, And that was a VIN chassis car from Europe too. Yeah. Uh, What car, the other car that I I couldn't tell you the make and model, but it was in group a, it was like the, the resto mod thing. Um, It was white. It was slammed to the ground. Uh, oh yeah, the the Riley Stairs car. Yeah, um, that car sounds the best. It's uh, like a ten. It's a ten thousand RPM, eight to one header, LS. It sounds the best of all the it's cars. It's nuts. It sounds the best. It's, it is nuts. But that that car like won SEMA, like in the hearts and minds of everybody three years ago or two years ago. I remember that. Um, yeah. And so, now it's got like more carbon and it's more track ready and. Yeah, it's pretty pretty rad build. So uh, we talked a little bit about the the time attack or not the time attack the the timing tower uh, at Laguna, and it's not like a particularly nice place. But that's not where the story goes. The story is, I believe that it is as close to the track as any other. Like the window for the 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 timing tower and like where you sit at the desk is probably the closest that I have ever been to a track at when cars are going that fast before. Oh yeah. That the window is probably only like eight feet from the track surface. It's crazy. Like if and, a tire came off, it's it like would a go mobile home the structure. It's not like a real building. Um, so I remember like Shenandoah, uh, at some point had oh, yeah. a very small thing that was very close to the racing surface. Um, but it was up in the air. Yeah, it was up a little bit, but it was also like, um, it's not like a super fast part of the track, I don't think. And yeah, like you're in a fast part there. And yeah. and the car, like uh if cars pass the tower, distance to the tower itself would be a little bit higher because you would be a little bit off the racing line. Um the tower at Laguna, the car comes in front of the window because that's the racing line. It's mm-hmm. like yeah, right against it. It's crazy, and so the it, like was the building shaking constantly. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, the, do you see that like four story structure right across track from you? Uh, like the, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know what that building was. I don't know. And it was like it was almost like a sea container building. It was definitely a modular steel building that had been welded together, and it had like sea container corners, but it didn't look like sea containers. And it had a, a nice steel staircase. It was very permanent. And it looked like it should have been the timing tower. But it definitely was not the timing tower. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, Emma and I could do an entire show just talking about, like, 
nerd stuff for race control and timing because there's a lot. One thing that we have to do in the tower, especially since drivers can't check in on time and can't be expected to put their transponder in the right place is when a car crosses start finish at the start of the, especially the first heat of the weekend, Mm -hmm. every single car has to be accounted for, which means that there's a person in the tower yelling the driver numbers of every car that crosses the line and Emma cross checks what mm-hmm. shows up on the computer to make sure that if there is a transponder, that that transponder has a name. And if there is no transponder, there's like a hand time being recorded uh, yeah. to make sure that we place those drivers and know who they are, who needs transponders, whatever else. And because, it's such an intense process. Oh, especially the first heat of the weekend. It is yeah. hard. Um, yeah. but because the track was so close to the tower, reading the numbers numbers off the cars was almost impossible. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was standing on the other side of the tower trying to get a better line of sight. And finally I just threw my hands up. I was like, I can't do this. Someone else has to do it because I cannot read these numbers. Like your eyes couldn't move fast. No, they can't. Yeah. Uh, A fast time attack car might be going by that tower. At 135, 140 miles an hour. Probably. And like it's it's too close to you. A slow car is going you. by that 110. It's yeah. too close to you f- to have your eyes track it really well. If if the yeah. car were 40 feet farther out, you might be have a better ability to read the numbers on the car. That's what makes me think like that building on the other side of the racetrack. That's got to be – it's been there for a while, you can tell, because some of the thermal panes are fogged up in the building. You're like this building has been there for 10, 15 years. What's it for? You know, it's not a hospitality suite because you can tell it's not fancy looking. Like, why are they across track? Why aren't they in this building? This should be like, if you're going to logically have a line of sight on cars, it would be from there, right? Yeah. Um, That would be my opinion. But although you had a better view of the overall track from where you were, but it's not a great location for what you had to do. So I, um, know that people on the show now know I love uh, electric cars. I think they're amazing. And I thank Alex Moss for convincing me to buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, had he already bought his? Uh, yeah, he had bought the, he, he has a three now and a plaid, which is cool. He's a three and a plaid? Yeah. I rode really? in the plaid at Putnam. That. It was awesome. But, um, but it, it bears mentioning that how many cars took the track this weekend at Laguna or uh, two weekends ago at Laguna? Uh, looking at probably in the 310 range. Okay. So about yeah. 310 cars took the track. Um, two of them caught fire. One of those fires could not be extinguished. And none of those mm-hmm. vehicles uh, that caught fire were electric. I think it's just, they were not. it is worth pointing that out. We also had the probably the highest amount of electric or hybrid. Uh, some of them aftermarket hybrid, like self-built hybrids. The highest amount of those that we've ever had by several. There was probably it was pushing seven percent or eight percent of the cars. Well, there's a supercharger at the track, which I think is. There awesome. was eight of them or eleven of them. It's awesome to have a supercharger at yeah. the track. They were in a good spot too. They were like right behind. They were right by. Right by start finish. And like 
there are people who listen to the show will probably say, you know, they would never want to track an electric car because they like the sound and they like changing gears and they like all of those things. And I agree. Sure. But I can also like a car that has instant torque and can do things that an electric car can do and you can just charge it at the track. That's pretty sick too. They don't suck. There's, there's a, there's a reason it's a thing. If it sucked, people wouldn't do it. So, um, especially at, at the expense of an event like that too, like the big entry fee, uh, big commitment, you know, if it sucked, you wouldn't do it and you wouldn't be stoked. And they were all stoked. Yeah. Um, I like electric stuff so, so much that I can't imagine not having one um, for the rest of my life. I think they're amazing. Yeah, and I can imagine. I, I love my Tesla so much that I want to buy a Lucid, if that, if that even makes sense. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, like, what do those cost, like 110 or something? Entry on a Lucid today for a rear-wheel drive Lucid Air is like 74 Oh, I didn't know they got down that low. Yeah. Hmm. That's a lot of money. Though. I, I just watched the the newest engineering explain that has Jason Camissa in it as well. Um, yeah. Car is amazing. I mean, they're they're driving the Sapphire, right? So it did an eight, nine on the drag strip at Sonoma. And like, That's it's so fast. It's a it's a crazy thing, right? But I don't know, man, like electric cars are the shit. They're really awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know. I. I would love one for the street. I don't think I could justify one for the racetrack, but I personally, I have, uh, like I'm, I'm in the process of putting together my dream, not my dream, but like my dream last pickup truck. Um, but I think my new dream truck might be an electric truck. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to love, especially for the around town use that I have, you know, like I could get by with just about any, I could buy with a Rivian, you know, my, for my carpentry business um, and for going up to grid life and back, it's 27 miles, a Rivian or a freaking Ford F-150 or like any kind of like an electric vehicle will be in my future, I think, for that, especially for those uses. Um, my absolute favorite part about owning an electric anything is that I'm never out of fuel. And I, I say that like when I start a journey, I'm never out of fuel. Um, I realize that like, if you take a long road trip, you have to stop and charge up and that's, it's not been anywhere near the inconvenience that people might make it out to be. Especially um, with like a Tesla and the network they've set up in it, the last three years. And it tells you what to do. It tells you what to do. It tells you where to stop. It tells you stop for how long and almost always it's near something. So you're like, well, I have a three-year-old. If we go out and go to the bathroom, it's, it's already time to get back in the car and leave. Yeah. 15 um, minutes, you're done. Um, but what I will say is like, no, I, I get in my car to go to work in the morning and I always have power. I never mm -hmm. have to stop for fuel in the morning because I'm already charged up. Because you plug it in at your house. It's yeah. the best. Yeah, that would be kind of nice. Be kind of nice. But I could totally see that being a thing that I do in the future, especially for around town uses. It's just, you know what? No more combustion engines for me. I think I'll just... I think I'll just plug in my truck at night. So. Um, having not driven Ashley's van for a while. So the, the 10 speed in uh, Ashley's Odyssey is a really nice transmission. Uh, I think James Houghton and I have talked about it before. So the, the new Odysseys are great, uh, objectively. Mm -hmm. 
when you drive a car that doesn't have a transmission, getting into a car that has one is a weird experience. Because really? even, even after 20 years of driving with them, no, for sure. Because like, yeah. uh, you get, you get used to the idea that if you, tr- if you touch the accelerator or the throttle, you just, you, you instantly speed up to the speed that you want to be going at. So like, if there's a gap, you just point and shoot and you're there. Um, in a car that has a transmission, there is a process, right? Like you, you press the throttle and it, depending on how hard you press, it might gear change once or twice, and then you start accelerating, and then you're at the speed you're at, right? Like that stuff takes a little bit of time, and y- your brain's just like, "Oh, I forgot that this is a thing." <laughs> how quickly you forget! What a weird time, man. I five years ago, six years ago, I never would have thought that this was going to be uh, like a thing yet and it's such a thing so fast so yeah you, you can't underestimate the the uh, the way the rate of change and i know that there's been like a uh, a whole bunch of press um like i think tesla published their their financial guidance for the remainder of the year and in the next year and um the outlook for the next little bit is tough on cars i think overall not just tough on evs cuz like sure interest rates of 8% suck no matter who you are. And I just don't think that people are going to be buying cars and houses at the same rate that they were. No, it's that we are on, we are, we're at, I think we're at the precipice of like a six year recession for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're seeing that yet. Like in, in the industry I work, it's going to be a cool down for sure. The growth is still there. Uh, on like the parts of the demand side, but like consumer loans are just interest rates that high make you question a purchase. Oh, there's also, there's, you know, the, the quote unquote rate of inflation, like regardless of like what party you vote for is bullshit. Like I look at my groceries and like my average things and they're up 20 to 30%. Like it's a lot, you know, it's not 3%. It's not 7%. It's, it's been a lot. Uh, things have jumped a lot in the last five years. So. Absolutely. People are just going to be buying less. You're just going to be buying less stuff. Well, I you mean, know, like you, you, you really want to know how expensive things have gotten. Go buy something at Taco Bell. Seriously. Yeah. You, Carson go. and I stopped at Taco Bell before we went to the airport in, in California. And uh, it was like four times more expensive than I thought Taco Bell should be. And I, I still thought, well, it's actually not that bad for how much food we got. <laughs> well, I mean, I get that, but like you used to think of Taco Bell as like the cheapest fast food place that you would 99 eat. 99 cents, 99 cents, 99 cents and 99 cents. And you have a, too much food in your stomach. And now you get like a crunch wrap Supreme or something. And it's like, Oh, that, that thing is $6. Yeah. It, it Taco Bell is now priced to what it should have been and everything else is 50% more than it used to be. For sure. Yeah. That's yeah, uh I was I was actually blown away of how delicious Taco Bell is cuz I hadn't been there in years. And it was so good. <laughs> it like almost made me mad. <laughs> I mean, just as long as we don't go to the South Haven Taco Bell, which is the worst Taco Bell in the history of Taco Bell. South Haven restaurants in general are typically pretty bad. Man. At least the Wendy, the Wendy's in South Haven oh, near Gingerman. That's the and they've been doing this forever. Like the last time I went in there, they had been, they had been doing it the same way for a decade. I don't know how they're in business. Somebody 
like they take somebody's order and there might be 10 people in line, right? They take their order and then they stop taking orders and they fulfill that order. And once that person walks away from the counter, minutes later, they take the next order. Well, they don't want to get backed up, obviously. Dude, it is it is crazy. Like you want to pull your hair out because they have they don't know what the assembly line is. Like it's it's like Jimmy doing all the jobs and like there's somebody in the back who's the fry cook. It's like they need three more people because this is how you do a fast food order. <laughs> and they've been doing that for a decade. It makes me crazy. Man. So I don't, so I don't go there anymore. Also, they put mayonnaise <laughs> on it when you ask them for no mayonnaise. So we did a show for an hour and 10 minutes. That's almost, uh, that's almost long enough to where the 10 tens guys won't make fun of me. Just about. Well, they're on the, uh, the, the F the van schedule, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they, there's a lot of FTF over there. So I, Robbie right now is on, uh, he's on a rally, the, one of Kanakri's rallies right now. Sick. Robbie and his wife, they're like doing the Kanakri savage rally or whatever lifestyle. Man, so. I don't know that I could afford a Kanakri rally, but it does sound cool. Ashley and I used to do, um, like the weekend rallies with rally North America, which I yeah. really, really enjoyed. Yeah. They, I think he's actually like working the event with Jason. Um, and so they're like getting the buddy deal, but, uh, but they have to work. And I think they're in like a rental car or like in a truck or something, but like he's posting pictures in our group chat. Like Jason picks him up at the airport, like towing McLaren in the super C and like, they're having a pretty good time. It looks like that <laughs> so, sounds super, super yeah. fun. I wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind doing that someday, but I don't know if I could ever work it into my schedule with my wife. So. Dude, we do a lot of events. We're going to have to pull back a little bit, I think. Uh, next year, the spacing is going to be nice. You'll like the spacing. Dude. It's going to be a lot. We're gonna have, you're not going to want to do them all. And I'm not going to do them all either. But we're gonna, we've built quite a team. And I think, uh, I think we can logically plan out a schedule that works for everybody. And also like have weekends off in between everything. Nothing back-to-back so far, aside from like, franchise partner events and stuff. So. Sure. Yeah. The, um, the, <clears throat> for the Midwest team going out to California twice in like three weeks was hard. Yeah, we did. Going from and, Heartland straight to Willow Springs was hard. In five weeks we did three events and two of them were like flyaways and far. One of them was maybe the biggest, the biggest thing we've ever bitten off. So, it's but, hard. Uh, it worked, but it wasn't fun. So. Yeah. We'll see. Well, trying uh, trying to find more people to help too. If anybody's in California and wants to like work some events, I uh, I need some staff in California. So Adam Life, shoot me an email. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I think we did a show. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit Grid Live to say hello. Hello.